0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from the HR Technology Conference. HR Tech has been the industry leading independent event for more than 20 years. And it's the place to be September 11th to 13th to gain the innovative strategies needed to drive business success today while preparing for tomorrow. This year's agenda includes sessions focusing on innovative ideas in recruitment marketing, using technology to remove unconscious bias, debunking myths around talent acquisition trends and much, much more. At the Expo, you'll get to see the first-hand offerings of more than 400 vendors, including many in the recruitment space. To find out more, go to www.hrtechnologyconference.com And you can use the discount code ALDER300, that's A-L-D-E-R, and the number 300 to get an extra $300 off your ticket price. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 140 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Effective teamwork and collaboration is critical to the success of modern business. But are recruiting functions using the right approach to build great teams? How do great teams work together and is there a role for technology in their recruitment and development? To help answer these questions, my guest this week is Alistair Shepherd from Sabre. Alistair has a huge amount of experience in understanding team dynamics and has some great insights to share. Hi Alistair and welcome to the podcast. Thanks Matt. Brilliant to have you on the show. Could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm the founder of Sabre. Um, We're a team development and technology company. We build software to Uh, design and coach teams so that they reach the top of their game
0: and could you sort of give us a a bit of background as to sort of how you came to set up that company and what your what your vision for it is
1: yeah so the company has been around uh, for um, a few years i think it's about five years old now Um, and my my background is not the traditional route into hr my background is as an aerospace engineer um, and i spent a long time Uh, designing systems and engineering systems before becoming increasingly interested in human systems. Um, And people often say, you know, it's it's not clear the parallels between engineering and and HR. And I actually think there's quite some quite good parallels. In engineering, your job is to understand a system well enough uh, to the point where you can design it to be better. And there is no more interesting system than a human system Ah, uh, particularly human systems that do work, meaningful work that makes you know the lives of people better, be that you know medical teams or be that technology teams creating tools for the future. And so what I wanted to do was to say, well, can we apply some of the engineering mindset to make human systems work a little bit better? Um and that's been the vision and the mission of Sabre ever since is very much how do you get teams of people, to perform extremely well together all of the time and how can you understand the levers that drive performance within teams and so the sort of goal for Sabre I guess or the vision for Sabre is is really to continue that that theme how can we build the very best technology platforms that are going to help teams you know perform at their top of their game and increasingly that means you know using artificial intelligence and and using new technologies, um, to strike conversations up between people that have lasting impact on, on the way that they do things.
0: Now I'm really interested to explore a little bit later on this kind of the, the relationship there between, between technology and artificial intelligence and, and people. Cause I think that's a fascinating topic, but just to, I suppose, back up a bit before we, we do that. Um, what's your view on the sort of the current state of recruitment? Because you, you sort of, you know, obviously big focus on big focus on teams and collaboration. Um, do you think that the way recruiting works at the moment is um is is conducive to you know to sort of producing um great teams that can work together i I don't think
1: it's i think the way recruitment gets done almost out of necessity isn't isn't to build great teams it's often to fill particular roles um and so it's taking a more individual slant on, on, you know, recruiting people. How do we get the, the best individuals into the business? Uh, and there's real merit in that, you know, getting people with excellent skill set who you think could be transformative to the business or, you know, just fulfill a really important role uh, to a very high standard. That's a really worthy goal. But I think we could do a lot more um, in terms of, thinking about how performance happens within organizations. And work these days in the modern workplace is increasingly collaborative. Um, I I, I often share a a really great sort of statistic um, about how many people have shared the Nobel Prize since its inception. So in every category, and I think there's about six or seven categories, the number of people who have shared the Nobel Prize um, each year is increasing so in the beginning it was one by one person in recent years it's being increasingly shared by two or more people sometimes three or four people have been sharing the prize and I think that's indicative of the challenges that we try to solve today the hardest problems of today not are not only more easily solved by collaboration but actually require collaboration in order to be solved so when we think about that in a work context often the people that we are hiring into the business aren't going to be working in isolation they're going to be working collaboratively in order to get things done and we all know that brilliant people can perform a lot you know better or worse when they when you put them with other brilliant people and there's famous examples in history of you know great partnerships going down the pan um and we have all sorts of cliches like um you know uh, a team of B players can beat can beat a group of a players, that sort of thing. Um, so our interest is really, how can you make recruitment more team-centric and less individual centric?
0: And I think that's very interesting because um, one of the the arguments that seems to have sort of uh, raged over the last uh, 10 years is this kind of, this whole kind of art versus science in recruitment, and I suppose in management and, and leadership as well, that... Um, uh, you know, they're, they're on the one side of the um, uh, of the fence, you have uh, you know technology and analytics and uh, you know predictive analytics and um, artificial intelligence and, and and all this kind of stuff. And then on the other side, you have um, you know this view that actually you know human to humans and um, uh, you know a good recruiter is a good recruiter because they have you know this this kind of human skill and experience and you can't replace that with uh, you can't replace that with, with with science but but obviously you know it's kind of causing a problem when we're sort of thinking about how you you know how how you sort of build and manage um successful teams where does where does sort of technology and data fit into this and how how do you kind of sort of square that argument between uh between art and science
1: i mean i think the answer is it's both art and science um it's neither one nor the other data should be uh, a very useful tool. Um, But it isn't an end in itself. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is use data to help human beings work better with each other. So if you totally remove the human from that process, um, and you're then you're just left with machines, uh, which is obviously not, you know, not what we're looking for, We're, we're trying to get human beings to work better with each other. But there's very sort of crucial things that you can do with data in you know, a that would allow you to do things that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do as a human being for example it is too time consuming to get the views of everybody that a potential hire might have to work with but you can use uh, data and technology to make that process a lot easier so you can profile the people that you're going to uh, that you're thinking about interviewing You can profile the people that they are likely to work with and you can use the the data from those two two surveys to get a fit score, for example, between potential candidates and the team that they're going to have to work with. Now, that isn't the only data point that you would use in the recruitment process, but it would become a very useful data point to say, okay, we've looked at their CV, we've looked at their skills, we've interviewed them, and we've also considered how well they're going to fit with the team that they're working with. So it's about adding together all of these different data points um, and then making a decision based upon a range of data points rather than, you know, trying to automate the system too too much
0: and how um you know from your experience how have you seen that how have you seen that working in working in working in practice um you know how does it work practically and what 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 kind of um uh you know results and value are people getting from um that sort of data technology driven approach
1: i mean the, the biggest thing it gives people is just a sense of confidence that they're making the right decision Ultimately, it's very useful to leave the decision down to a human being rather than leaving it, in, you know, in the hands of a robot. And um, in Europe, at least, there's new regulation that says, you know, GDPR says that uh, individuals must have the ability to to uh, question um, an algorithm uh, and repeal against a, any algorithm made decision. Um, but it's very useful to be able to say, okay, well, these are the data points that we used to make this decision and and this is what it this is what it says. And if you're building fair algorithms that are genuinely looking at you know the right metrics, then we shouldn't be scared about you know using them to give us confidence that we're making the right decision. So when we've worked with with particular clients who in the past might not have been able to use culture fit assessments, they've been able to, You know, ask questions of their candidates using technology, ask questions of their existing employees using technology and then use our algorithms to to get a fit score between the candidate and the the potential team.
0: I mean that's the, the, you know that, that's that's kind of really interesting, really interesting, interesting stuff. And I suppose um, you know without asking you for the, the precise details about how your algorithm how your algorithm works, um, you know what what's kind of going into that 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 fit score? What's the what's the thinking? You know what's the kind of the thinking behind it? What's it? What's it looking for?
1: Yeah, it's looking for really human things. We're really not trying to reinvent psychology. We're not trying to reinvent teamwork. It's as old as the hills. Uh, You know, and and when you do try to reinvent it, um, you either end up back at what everybody already knows, you know, the the conventional wisdom, or you're wrong, (laughs) generally speaking. Um, So the things that we look for are things that have, you know, that we all know to be true already, uh, that um, diverse teams, teams that have got a diverse perspective uh, on how to solve particular problems Uh, generally are more capable at solving these problems Um, but then also if you have uh, diverse values within a team any other diversity can be destructive rather than constructive so essentially what we end up looking for within teams is people who can bring a broad range of perspectives to the team but are likely to be able to see eye to eye and have very frank, meaningful discussions without it descending into um, a sort of destructive conflict or conversations. So we look for people who share values, um, and and values are sort of these deep intrinsic motivators that help us decide what is right. Uh, For example, um, you know, I might be pro risk trying new things, and you might be pro security and making sure that things don't break now those are two very different motivations and so we are going to find it difficult to to see eye to eye about how to solve a particular problem if you and i both shared the same motivations like it's we both agree that it's very important to minimize any chance that this project could go wrong then we can have a really good debate about the approach that we should take but the goal is common to both of us make sure nothing goes wrong. Um, and so that's the sort of thing that, that we end up looking for is, is people who can work very effectively together and leverage the diversity within their team, rather than um, see that diversity create unnecessary conflict.
0: Well, one of the things that I find um, frustrating about recruitment and HR technology is that it, is that it kind of uh, very, mu- very much operates in in silos. So you get great technology for, uh, for recruitment. And then as, um, someone becomes an employee and moves into a company, um, you know, they're dealing with different parts of the, the HR, um, setup and, and different technologies and, and, um, you know, perhaps, you know, losing something in that transition. Now I know that, that you guys, uh, you know, work on the recruiting side, but you also, uh, you know, you also, uh, work on the the, the 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 kind of the team the team management side of things as well. What what kind of advantages have you seen from being able to um, you know uh, use this approach throughout the kind of employee lifecycle rather than just uh, sticking with the recruitment part?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually the sort of team development um, is really where our focus is um, as a company. Um, so getting the right people into the business in the first place is an important step. It sets a right foundation, uh, but we all know that um, you know, teams need continual development. They need continual training. Uh, this is something that applies to all types of teams, you know, be it sports teams. Uh, sports teams are a great example of people who have dedicated coaches to help that team reach the top of their game. And the same is true of, of workplace teams. Uh, But generally speaking, only the senior-most teams within the business uh, receive dedicated support or coaching about how they can work better as an individual or as a collective. And what we think technology could provide is a way to scale the learning, development, training, and coaching aspects that are currently only reserved for senior teams and make them available to everybody within the organisation. And that, for me, is the exciting promise of technology it's not that you could do something radically different. It's just that you could make things, you know, high-quality training available to more people.
0: So, what are the key learnings that you've that you've taken taken from that? How uh, you know how do humans and, and artificial intelligence and, and technology how do they how do they work well together? what What are your what are your sort of key findings?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. So, we we've got a, a product called CoachBot, which is uh, a digital coach for teams. Um, and its job is to see if it can help teams improve the way that they work with each other. So it sounds like a, an easy enough goal, um, but it becomes quite a difficult challenge when you try to get technology to do that process on its own. Uh, and one of the things that we learned is that uh, human beings really don't like to be judged. And so any performance management system or coaching system that grades people uh, tends to see disengagement. For example, For example, if we've got a a, a digital coach which is trying to evaluate how good we are at setting and sticking to our goals, if we grade the team and say, hey, you guys are a four out of 10 in terms of goal setting, uh, that's quite a demotivating statement. And it is demotivating regardless of where you sit on that spectrum. So, you know, if you're a 10 out of 10 across the board, you know, you're good at goal setting, you're good at communication, you're good at decision making, um, you're good at uh, defining and sticking to norms of behavior within your team. You've got well-defined roles and responsibilities. Let's say you're 9 out of 10 across the board. What you really want to know as a team is, okay, so we're a good team, but what can we do to be better Conversely, if you're a two out of 10 across the board, you're know you one of the worst teams in the business, you don't need to be told that you're the worst team in the business. What you want to know is, okay, what's the one thing that we can do to be better? And so one of the lessons that we learned early on in the development of CoachBot is when you're using technology to coach and develop teams, it's extremely beneficial to simply phrase it in a development setting. So rather than saying, hey, you guys are terrible at goal setting, we could say, teams like yours typically find it useful to reevaluate their goals fairly regularly tell me how do you feel that you're you know doing against achieving your goals and then we can help teams have a conversation around that so the way it typically works is we gather a little bits of information from people during the week you know we send them an email ask them a couple of questions and then we use the data from all of those questions to figure out okay where is what's the most important thing that this team should be talking about? You know, what's the elephant in the room that this team, you know, all know on an individual level, but haven't collectively spoken about? We can use technology to to gather that information and we can present it back to them in their next team meeting to say, hey, it seems like it would be a great time now to reevaluate where you are against your goals. And here's a framework for doing that. And you can have a, a discussion about that in your next team meeting. And then the other key thing that technology can do is check in with you to help make sure that any actions that you set are being adhered to. It's that stickability piece. One of the things we spoke to coaches about when we were designing this in the, in the beginning was what is the, you know, the thing that human coaches struggle with the most? And often it is when they leave and they've delivered a great coaching session, the team are you know, really, really fired up, and then they go away, the coach goes away and the team goes back to work and then work happens and they forget all of this great stuff that they were taught in their coaching session and so technology can keep that coaching session alive and it can say hey we set some goals last week um just want to check in how do you how do you feel that you know your progress is towards those goals just those simple reminders can really make behavior change last
0: there's a huge amount of talk in the um in HR circles at the moment, about the, the 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 power and the potential of predictive people analytics. What's your what's your view on that? I mean, obviously, you know, working for a company that's collecting a huge amount of data, uh, you know, on people and performance and, and values and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, can that data actively uh, can that data accurately predict predict the future and uh, you know help uh, you know help people make decisions based on what might happen?
1: It absolutely can. Um, so our profiling product base uh, can, with a reasonable degree of accuracy, predict the performance of a team uh, simply based upon cultural fit. So if you're thinking about hiring somebody, um, the base scores that you get can predict the performance of that employee. Now, the question is, not is the prediction accurate, but is the prediction useful? Um, and often, human beings don't like to feel that they're not in control of situations. So it's about using the intelligence, it's about using the predictions in a way that is going to be beneficial for the people who have to make decisions off the back of that data. So if um, you you predict that this team is uh, not going to perform so well, um, it is about phrasing that prediction in a way that gives them control and agency over doing something about it, rather than just judging them and saying, "Hey." looks like you guys aren't going to do so well. We're going to report that to your manager. That's a very disempowering use of predictive analytics. Um, so, and, and this was this was articulated, I think, really clearly in a, in a sort of statement that uh, I heard at a, a conference that was actually called The Art and Science of um, People Analytics. And it was a very senior member from the automotive industry um, on the panel. And he said, if you show fair data to fair people, they will make fair decisions. And I think that's true if you're designing an engine, you know, make the exhaust nozzle a little bit bigger rather than a little bit smaller and you'll get better performance. But when you show fair data to fair people about people, they'll make emotional decisions. And this is the thing that the analytics community, I think, uh, will struggle with. Um, as our predictions get better and better, uh, it is not going to be simply good enough to be right. It is going to be more and more important to be useful.
0: So, final question: There's obviously, you know, a huge amount of change going on in the um, in the in the people space at the moment what, you know what are your what's on your radar for the next 18 months what do you think the uh you know the biggest shifts or biggest changes are that we're going to see um kind of in the in the short to medium term
1: well the, the the shift that we are really trying to promote and actually are really pleased to see is starting to happen is a shift towards team-based performance management so companies are realizing that the performance in their organizations is being driven by the unit of the team rather than individuals. And they're starting to say, okay, how can we start to build structures that would leverage this? How can we do team-based performance management? Um, How can we do team-based reward and recognition? Um, And that is something that we're really excited about seeing more and more of um, because we think it will, will make a tangible difference to organizations. And we think technology, like the technology that we're building at Sabre, is something that can really
0: promote that. Alistair, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Matt. My thanks to Alistair Shepherd. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.